My name is Matt Short, and you're listening to the How's That, the Cricket Podcast. How's that? You missed about, I caught you up. How's that? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to How's That, the Cricket Podcast with me, Lily. And me, Ollie. So there's been quite a bit happening in the cricket world at the moment, hasn't there? Yeah, there's been, been bits and pieces, aren't there? Yeah, so should we just start off with the WBBL signings? that have happened yes. recently yeah let's do that first and then we'll move on to the uh com games that have happened but we've had a fair few uh wbbl signings and a lot that you're not very happy about let's say yeah it's been a it's been a tricky day for me but also a pretty exciting day for me my emotions have been all over the place so basically i'll start off with sarah coit leaving the strikers which is one of the most heartbreaking things we've ever had to see because she's been with us for so long and She's just been such a good player for the strikers, and it's going to be so bad to watch her go play against the strikers um, in the upcoming season. I'm really not going to enjoy it, but I'm still going to support her and cheer her on either way because, you know, we've been watching her for so long, so it's a bit annoying. There's going to be mixed emotions when uh, when you see her in the red. Are you gonna? Is it going to be one of those where it's like, okay, I want her to to do X, Y, and Z. Want her to be player of the match, but then want the, the Renegades to lose. Is that what it's kind of going to be like? Yeah, it's going to be, I want her to do well, but still not take the team over the line. It's going to yeah. be very much that. Um, because, yeah, I'm not, obviously not a Renegades fan, but that one is a uh, pretty... Yeah, Police Perry knows that all too well as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does. At least Perry does know that. Um, now, next up, is the strikers news which was really exciting so laura wolfart has re-signed with the strikers which i was very nervous about because she's obviously shown how good she is through the world cup and i was thinking oh no someone else is gonna take her but it's okay we've still got her and to add to the international collection we've also got deandra dotton who has signed with the strikers i say we me you're not a strikers fan so it doesn't really bother you but the strikers have got I'm a Manchester fan and a Thunder fan, so there is some elements of me being happy about this signing too. So even though I'm not a Strikers fan, to be collectively involved with the happiness of this signing, I'm I'm happy to be involved because yeah. um, I'm really glad to see her in the WBBL. Uh, and the one thing that I was sort of thinking when those signings broke, the pair of those broke, um, obviously in the men's big bash, that wouldn't happen. That couldn't be allowed to happen because obviously with the draft that's going on, everything's going to change itself. So it's going to be interesting to see how those are juxtaposed between the men's and the women's, because obviously, you know, it's the women's big bash season now is like we've always had every single big bash. It's going to be interesting to see how that sort of changes in the men's competition, but but more on that in a bit, I suppose. Yeah, well, it does actually start pretty soon, doesn't it? The big bash draft. So we will talk more about that when it happens, really. But yeah, look, it's exciting to see those players signed with the strikers should be good. Um, and then for the Brisbane Heat, Zoe Cook, who plays for the Meteors, ACT Meteors, has signed. And Grace Parsons, who plays for Queensland, has also signed with the Brisbane Heat, which is good because Grace is one of those young upcoming players. So to see her be within that Brisbane Heat squad, um, whether she gets a game or not, it will be a really good experience for her. And Zoe Cook, I know she was in and around the squad, but to have her on a contract is, is really exciting and it'll be good to see what she can do for the Heat. 
Yeah, definitely. I think I think the Parsons one makes sense as well. Obviously, you know, you want local sides. If you're if you're a Queenslander, you'll be buzzing with that sign, I suppose, because you want local players not only for your for your big bash club, uh, but also for your state team as well to be to be promoted through the ranks. And that makes a lot of sense on both levels, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the final one that happened today was Tennille Peschel, who was signed on for two more seasons for the Scorchers. So she didn't know where she was going for quite a bit of time and neither did we when we interviewed her, but now she is back with the Scorchers, which is disappointing because I would have liked to see her in blue, but, you know, good on her for signing back with her home state. It makes sense. Previous signing news that we haven't mentioned, uh, there has been some more signings throughout the sides. So Hayley Silverholmes, who debuted for the Sixers at a really young age, I think she was only like 15, 16 when she played her first game with them. She has moved over to the Hurricanes uh, because she plays for the Tasmanian Tigers. And then Lizelle Lee moved from the Renegades to the Hurricanes. And then Pooja Vastrakar from India has joined the Brisbane Heat. So good to get the Indians back in the mix, seeing as they don't have their own tournament. So Not yet. Hopefully that. soon. Hopefully soon. But yeah, that is the WBBL signings up to date. Sad and exciting. Very mixed emotions, honestly. Yeah, I'm just waiting. I'm just sitting in the corner waiting for the stars to do something. Be that incoming or outgoings. I'm just sitting in the corner (laughs) waiting for the stars to get involved. You look at all the like all the images of all the signings and you just don't see green for such a long period of time. (laughs) If the stars recruitment board can just get their skates on a little bit and give us team green fans something to smile about would be nice but um of course it's a busy job and not one that i'd want so uh, i'll leave them to it yeah well look obviously we'll keep everybody updated with more signings and hopefully there's some more positive ones for both of us anyway moving on we have commonwealth Games stuff but we do not have to discuss much between you and i because We've been joined by two guests this week, and well, three guests this week, haven't we? Yeah, technically three. Technically three. Technically three. Yeah. So we spoke to Polly and Richard, who are a good friends from the Naughty Child podcast, because they have been to most of the Commonwealth Games cricket matches um, in their home city of Birmingham. So we thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring them on our podcast and have a chat to them about their experience at the at the games so enjoy our conversation with polly and richard from the naughty child podcast so would you guys just like to start off by telling us a little bit about your whole experience with the commonwealth games because obviously it's in your home city and you went to the opening ceremony. So do you want to maybe start off with that and tell us what that was like? Yeah, it was incredible. Um, I mean, I went to the rehearsal and then the actual thing. So I kind of got to see the two sides of it. So a little bit behind the scenes and stuff. But um, I kind of didn't really know what to expect. And I think, especially like growing up in Birmingham, I kind of had low standards for it. I don't know. I was just like, what are they actually going to do kind of about Birmingham? I know there's a lot of history of Birmingham, but... I don't know how you put that into a show that's really good but it was a really really good show um and I think it represented Birmingham quite well um and it was also just 
quite a surreal experience like especially at the end when all the fireworks were going off and stuff I was like this is this is kind of crazy um but no I, I really enjoyed it yeah I, th- I think it was done really well I guess what you want from a show like that is something which stamps identity on the games and links it to, pl- to a place and it did that really mm. strongly it was good fun there were great visuals uh, there's always some sort of strange drama dance thing which there's a massive slug. you're not quite sure what it really means yeah. but you just kind of go with it uh, but actually the the really lovely bit was when the teams came in mm. and that that's you know each one gets by region of the world mm. uh, gets so i think what australia first yeah australia oh. again yeah so, so um <laughs> so um so just yeah could, Coming in, so 72 different uh, countries or, or places which are represented. And that was amazing. Yeah, really. Um, it, it was just really lovely the way it was done. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, I, I didn't, ex- Opening so is not something I was thinking of buying tickets for, but we got complimentaries because um, Polly's mum, my wife Nicola, was singing in it and, and got some complimentaries. So we ended up going. And really pleased that I did. Yeah. Really pleased that I did. I heard it was really expensive, though. Would you have chose to go still if you hadn't have had the tickets? Yeah, I think we got about £1,000 worth of complimentary tickets <laughs> for four of us to go. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, so, yeah, yeah, I, I think I think it was. Again, it's not the sort of thing I would ever think of going to normally. I'd much rather spend money going to the sport, but um, there you go. That's fair enough. And so, obviously, you've been to the cricket games. Is it just the cricket that you've been to see, or have you seen anything else? Now, I went to the Athletics on Friday night. Um, okay. So sang along to Advance Australia Fair a couple of times uh, in the stadium. <laughs> those, are the, those are the only three words I know to the anthem. Um, but, um, <laughs> sure we'll hear it again. Oh, we are young and free, does it say like that? Yeah, like there are no old people in Australia. Um, but uh, yeah, that was great, actually. Really enjoyed being at the Athletic Stadium. So saw some great, great events, 3,000 metre steeplechase women, which is really... Uh, exciting and uh, women's triple jump was excellent as well we were right by the the pit so um yeah I was really pleased to go and see that but apart from that it's been cricket 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 we've so we saw um Australia India which was great I think up until the semi-finals that the best game we saw uh India Pakistan which was just brilliant for atmosphere and you know participation in the crowd there and, and so on and then we saw uh, England, South Africa, England, New Zealand, and then both yesterday's semi-finals. And then today, the bronze medal match <laughs> and the gold medal match. So all the games have been held at Edgebaston. What's the turnover been there like, I guess? Does it affect the ground in any way? Because, you know, this ground is being hammered and hammered and hammered by games after games. Has that changed anything in your mind in the, the way that games have probably resulted? I, I don't think so. What they did is that there was a... a in the cricket schedule, there was a blank day um, that happened twice. And in that day, they prepared a new pitch. So um, so they used three pitches over the course of the, the games. And so there was a fresh pitch every six matches. Um, so they've all played slightly differently. I mean, certainly the one yesterday seemed to favour batting mm. a lot more than <laughs> the previous one. Where, uh, in fact, the, the last day of the previous pitch... There was totals of 70-odd, 50-odd. Mm. Um, you know, it was really low scoring, really low scoring. Um, but I think that was to do with the teams that were playing as much as anything else. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the venue has been absolutely brilliant and the crowds have just grown and grown and grown as the tournament's got on. So, 
Now, I don't know this for certain, but I'm pretty sure yesterday must have been the day in Edgebaston's history with the most attendance because there were two oh. sold-out games back-to-back. Yeah. So there must have been uh, well over 40,000 people there mm. um, uh, yesterday, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, and loads of people, of course, who just have never been to a cricket game before are going because it's Commonwealth Games or maybe they ticked a box on the form to say, oh, I'll have anything. And, and that's just what they were allocated. And so it's really interesting, the conversations you hear in the ground, mm. you know, people working out what the scoreboard means mm. and things like that. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, but really excited mm. uh, to be there. And, you know, the, the broader audience you can bring in, the better, really, if you want to grow the game. Yeah, and I think big events like this are, are good at that, obviously bringing new fans to sport. How much do you think that this Commonwealth Games and this sort of tournament all in the one stadium will bring new fans to the sport, especially English fans? I think it's a difficult one because in one sense we think, oh, look, all these new people are coming to a game, but actually will they stick around after this? And I think in the, of an example, like when the Olympics are on or even when the Commonwealth's are on, I've loved watching three-on-three basketball but actually, once the Commonwealth Games is finished, I don't think I'm going to continue following it. I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to find tickets of where it's being played because, I don't know, Like I just kind of watched it as a thing passing by and it was great, but I don't think I'd do it again. So I think for a lot of cricket fans, that might be the same thing. But there will be a small percentage of them who really enjoyed it and will keep kind of following the game or you know look out for tickets at Edgebaston and hopefully that will mean that you know for example the women play more at Edgebaston because for a lot of the players it's their first time um but yeah I don't know it's an interesting one I, I suppose the 100 might be a good kind of grasp of that but because the Commonwealth Games and the 100 are completely separate events and the branding so different everything like that I don't really understand how that's there's going to be like a direct correlation between the two because you know, at the Commonwealth Games, they can't promote the 100. So it's kind of up to people's own, I don't know, it's like up to them to look for it, really. But the BBC can promote the 100, yeah. can't they? And, and, and also do the Commonwealth Games. So so there, there can be a link there. Mm. And I think it is, it's about, if you broaden the audience, then of course, if, if only 0.1% of your audience get into the sport as a result of watching it, well, if you broadcast live to 10 million people, then that's another 10,000 people getting into the sport as a result of it. So I think it's about broadening it. I think live TV coverage is, is absolutely key. So actually it's a shame England are not in the final for, from our personal point of view, because that would have been live on BBC One and you know several million people would have watched it live because it's England in a final, You know, a bit like we did um, with the netballers four mm. years ago when they beat Australia. Of course, just on the actual cricket itself rather than the event, um, we spoke a little bit off air about the fact that the game is going to, or the third place game, the, the bronze medal game, if you will, um, is going to start at 7pm Melbourne time, which is 10am in Birmingham, which we thought was rather strange. You know, it's a bit early to have a, to have a game go on, but how do you see that game progressing, especially with the fact that, you know, we've had multiple pitches, ground's been used quite a fair bit throughout the tournament. How do you see that first game and then leading on to the final? How do you see that, you know, happening? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I think the final will kind of be it's kind of own separate thing. I think with the bronze medal match, it'll be interesting because because of New Zealand's like turnaround, it has had to be so fast. But then also with the final, both of you are coming out with a medal, but with the bronze medal match, only one of you is. 
And obviously both teams are going to be really wanting that and they're both going to be really disappointed from the uh, semi-final loss. I think probably even more England because New Zealand definitely stood less of a chance against Australia. Here they did fight really hard, but I think England will be gutted that they lost out to India. So, yeah, I think I think it could be, again, quite a high-scoring game, um, especially because we're using the, the same pitch as yesterday and, and that seemed to really favour the batters. So, I think it'll be a quite an exciting game, but yeah, I just I'm slightly worried that New Zealand are gonna are gonna fight too much, and then you know the host nation don't don't get a medal at the it, end of it. It's the game nobody wants to play, really, isn't it? Because it's never your aim to get into the bronze medal match; it's your aim to to get in the gold medal match. And I think I guess what I would be tempted to do, as certainly management of New Zealand or England, is to change the team around so um you know there are four members of the england squad who've not had any game time at all throughout the uh, the game so so maybe actually look to bring them in particularly because they won't be so emotionally and physically exhausted after yesterday's uh, game so and also we'll have a point to prove yeah. so i'd be tempted to bring those four in well three three actually no no not head and night but <laughs> but those those three in straight away uh, and and just to try and freshen things up a bit uh, but it will be I mean for New Zealand I just can't imagine what it's like because they'll have got virtually no sleep mm. yeah we'll be, it will be at the stadium for well yeah eight in the morning they'll be there yeah you were saying that they'd almost be on the way there now um, which is mm-hmm. quite interesting to, uh, to sort of think about but there's a lot of psychological things going against New Zealand here now, obviously, they've had the game that finished off today, local time. Oh, sorry, today, Melbourne time, I should say. Um, and then, obviously, on Friday, Melbourne time, which would have been Friday back home as well, I would assume. Um, England, obviously, romped a victory over New Zealand, which was obviously only a couple of days ago. Um, how do you reckon New Zealand will cope with, you know, the psychological, you know, knocks on them at the moment? Because there's obviously a couple of those. Um, and do you think that can play to England's advantage? Yeah, definitely. I think England have the upper hand in that sense. I think... The game against New Zealand uh, the other day was really key. And actually, you know, we were saying before, oh, this could be a really close game. You know, New Zealand are playing really well at the moment and they could really challenge England. And obviously it wasn't a challenge at all. Um, so I think England kind of do have that confidence, but I, I don't think they can get too complacent because they saw what New Zealand did yesterday. And I think if New Zealand do that to England, it will certainly challenge them. Um, so I suppose it depends who, who bats fast and stuff. But... Um, no, I th- I do think England have the have the upper, upper hand just because I think, especially with New Zealand playing last night, it's still kind of a bit more fresh in their mind. They're probably quite tired, and I don't know. I suppose if if stuff starts going wrong on the pitch for them, I think it could get to them a bit more than England maybe. Yeah, and the crowd is a big factor as well. Yeah. So there'll be loads of England fans in today, and the, the big crowds and very loud crowds as well. Yeah. Whereas last night, everyone was supporting New Zealand under the anyone but Australia banner. Um, it, but today, it will, it, will be, uh, it will be very much uh, full of England fans. And England will want to, to do really well, uh, just be, you know, to give something back to the fans, I, I think. So, yeah, I think that there's a there's an ed- psychological edge there. Mm. But having said that, the New Zealand we saw uh, thrashed by England was mm. very different from the team yeah. that came out to play Australia yesterday. You know, they, they put on a really good show. Mm. And you know, they weren't close to winning it. You know, Australia are just so clinical, aren't they? They just game management. You know, we'll just carry on batting the way we bat, and then three balls to go, we'll finish the game off, no problem. So there was, 
there was no danger of New Zealand winning it really at any point yesterday, but they did put on a quite a good show. Yeah, I mean, the game, obviously, for England fans was probably just really disappointing because they were going in as quite a favourite team, I'd say. Obviously, you know, Australia, Australia. But England had done really well in that series against South Africa and coming off loads of wins at the moment. So what do you make of that? Well, it, it felt like we were never really challenged against South Africa. So we kind of had maybe a slightly overinflated idea of how good we were yeah. um, because we just thrashed South Africa. And, and, and it felt... Watching England play South Africa was like watching Australia play anyone else. You know, we just bullied them and won every game. Um, and so actually the game against India was the first time we'd come up against a team that could really challenge us. So I think that was really important that we did that. And it, I mean, it was it was a strange game insofar as I was convinced England were going to win, really, until about the 18th over of our innings. So we were just, we were completely set for it. And then suddenly we had, you know, a couple of low scoring overs and that was it. It was, it was done. It was, it it was really strange. So I thought we were going to win and I thought we were going to win. I think that's, that's part of my, the emotions I have to deal with at the moment. Um, (laughs) It's all right. (laughs) um, Just uh, because this is going to be fine. We're we're going to win, we're going to win. And then suddenly we didn't. And, And it was really, it was awful, and I and I think well, we think we know the moment when it when something big changed in that game. Yeah, and it was Capsie's run out. I don't. I feel so bad when I say that because I'm like, it's Alice Capsie. She's only seventeen. She's got black eye, but also, yeah, um, that was like a significant moment. And also, I think because the margins were so close, and if she'd had her bat the right way round, it would have been in. <laughs> yeah, um, which. It's frustrating, but yeah, I think that was a massive turning point because she was playing really well as usual, um, and then she got out, and suddenly you lose. You know, not normally she would, you know, she's been out previously at twenty five runs, forty five runs, over fifty, and it's like she only got thirteen or something, and okay, so that's you know thirty runs that that's missing now, and who's going to make up for that? Um, and I think obviously they've got other great batters, you know, Amy Jones, but. And I mean, that's never came in. And I think that the issue with that is her strike rate was so low. Well, it wasn't particularly low, but it was it was below 100. And, and that's kind of not England's plan. Um, and so I think if she had got to her 40 odd a bit quicker, then I think England could have been OK. But she took it was almost the same amount of balls to the same amount of runs. So, yeah, if you compare her innings with, with Jamima Rodriguez mm. innings for, for India, those that was the difference between the two yeah. teams, really, and um, just mm. the strike rate. And the way Jamima accelerated towards the end. Mm. So again, she won't run a ball for most of her innings, but then right at the end could accelerate. And that's what we were missing. Well, I bet you guys are glad to see her back in that team, though, as well as it against England. I'm sure you're pretty happy to see her scoring, though. Um, yeah, I mean, we said, I was, I said, oh, I've got a dilemma here. I really want Jemmy to play well, but I also really want England to win. Um, but no, I think in, in the final, we'll see her smash it. She's going to do something amazing. And Hopefully they'll be standing over the Aussies on the podium. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> that is like my dream. I haven't learned the words of the Indian anthem yet. No, but I'm going to learn it. <laughs> it's interesting how you talk about the everyone but Australia sort of thing because we've had that chat on this podcast. Because when I introduced myself on the podcast, I sort of said, you know, well, I'm kind of grown up in an everything but Australia sort of household. Um, and Lily was like, you can't be doing that on an Australian-based podcast. So um, interesting to <laughs> get, get that view. 
they need to know all you Australians out there need to know the rest of the world really don't like you at all. <laughs> unbelievable um, so obviously with all of us on here being England fans um, and obviously being at home tournament for England what do you think we'll take out of this both on and off field from an English cricket point of view yeah I think in terms of kind of the changes England have made I think we can take that actually some of them have been really positive but I think also the fact that people like Tammy Beaumont kind of I suppose they still kind of have a place in the side and actually the team aren't doing miracles without her. Um, and I think obviously the idea was, okay, we need a team that can beat Australia and this current team we've got haven't been able to. But I think it was quite a bold move of England to bring in people like Freya Kemp, who's still very young and hasn't even had that much experience of regional cricket, like probably about two, three months of it. Um, and I think that's kind of something that England maybe need to look at. And obviously they, they are looking to the future and about young players coming through. But I think they kind of need to be careful about managing those players, I suppose. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one. I think there have been a lot of successes for England and positives. But then when they've, you know, that's been against South Africa, who have got their own stuff going on. But when they've come up against India they've struggled and actually the teams you want to beat are India, Australia, they're, they're the teams that challenge us and it's still, that formula is still not working. Yeah, I think obviously we went to Australia in the winter and got thrashed and so the question I guess for the English management is do you pick the same team and do the same thing and expect a different result? Mm. And because the Commonwealth Games really was about putting a team together that could beat Australia. So it was taken for granted that we'd get to the final. Mm. And haven't. Uh, but how can we beat Australia? So it was looking at strike rate. It was looking at playing in a more aggressive way and, and with different personnel. Uh, so dropping Tommy Beaumont was part of that, which, you know, again, you could argue for against it still. Um, but it, it is kind of symbolic of mm. we're, we're making a break with, with what was and going on to something um, slightly new. And I, and I think you're not going in the course of six months to go from a team that gets thrashed in the ashes to a team that can defeat Australia. You've mm. got to have more of a sort of four-year cycle plan to say that, you know, maybe not even the ashes next year, but may, maybe the next Commonwealth Games or the next ashes in Australia will have a team which will be very different, which, which can challenge Australia. And that will involve promoting people who are currently teenagers into the team with the hope that in four years time that they'll be ready to make England the most dominant side in the world. Uh, now it doesn't always work that way and there are going to be people who fall by the wayside as in that process but I think that's that's kind of what the process is that they're going through and of course it's to do with the professionalization of cricket as well that there are these young uh, professional cricketers like Alice Capsi coming through now, age 17, who actually they are the future. So they need challenging and developing mm. and, and, and put into that place. And it feels like that's the, the process we're going through. And it might involve taking a step back before we go forward. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it has been like quite a, a talking point at the moment, hasn't it? And I guess they did do that a little bit of a reshuffle um, within that South Africa series and then a bit more of it here, seeing people like Freya Kemp come in, who, you know, obviously me being from Australia, I haven't heard too much of, 
you know, seen her name, but wouldn't have ever seen her play. So to see her, you know, get a couple of wickets like throughout most of the games is has been pretty exciting. But who would you say has been your favourite young emerging player throughout this Commonwealth Games that you've been able to watch? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, I think my kind of biased hat says Izzy Wong. Um, I think especially because it's a home Commonwealth Games for her. Um, I think something I've actually noticed about the crowd is a lot of people have shouted her name. A lot of people seem to kind of know about her. I think she's been really good. I think performance side, slightly less so. Um, I think it would have been great if we could see her back. Um, but, you know, it's a shame. But I think she's been a really important part of the team. And she's one of those people, we say that similarly with Alice Catsley, actually, I can't imagine an England side without her now. Um, and she feels like really, really part of this team. Um, but yeah, the other person I was capped, so I mean, she's been remarkable. Um, I think just the way, especially like after she top edged the ball into her eye in warm up and just went out and got her half century, I thought that was just like every time she bats, it's such a mature innings and it's so like thought out, but also she's just so fearless and. She doesn't care who's bowling you. She's going to hit you for four. She's going to find a gap. Um, and I've been really, really impressed with just her, her level of skill, really, more than anything else. Yeah, Capsi for me is, is the standout. Um, Izzy Wong is an interesting one because she has big recognition mm. potential. You know, people do know who she is. Um, but it feels like she's been quite underutilised. So mm. several of the games, she only bowled two of her four overs. She didn't get to bat at all. You know, and she's the one who opens the batting uh, for her regional side. So it, it it felt a little bit like she's a bit underutilised. And, and when, when she did bowl, you know, she went for 10 mm. and over quite regularly as well. But again, that's been part of the strategy. Mm. She's high impact, high risk, um, but hopefully high reward as mm. well. Um, but yeah, I think the thing that, that strikes me about people like Capsi and Wong is that they look like they belong straight away on that international scene and that's partly to do with their own personality but also I think they've been kind of prepared really really well to to go into that yeah I mean Izzy Wong is well she's only just started making her, her debuts recently but she went to New Zealand like a couple of years ago it would have been now so she's been in and around that team and Alice Capsi I'm sure as well so yeah it's, it's good to see them get their opportunities and I know over here I've been super excited to see them all make their debuts and get all their hats it's been pretty awesome to watch but yeah, Alice Capsi, has, she just looks like it's crazy to think she's younger than us because the way she plays, she looks like quite old in a way, like in the nicest way possible. She looks like she's been doing it for so long, like you said. So, yeah, that's been really good. But what are your predictions for the finals? What is your top four placings? Yeah, so... <laughs> you can be honest. <laughs> kind of my automatic brain says, OK, Australia are going to win. But oh, I just so badly want this for India. And I know India can do it. That's the thing. They've been Australia before and they have so much fight. And I think now they've got through to the... I don't think they necessarily expected to get through to the final. I think maybe England are a bit too confident in that sense. But I think... I just... Yeah. I think Australia are going to win. But I, in some ways, I think India could just... If they, if they get a really good start, then I think they could... Australia are beatable. However, they always seem to find a way. 
and and that's the key thing and so you know india had australia five wickets down you know, 50 for five or whatever mm. in that group game and it looked like well this is it the you know that's the first time we've ever seen australia play and it's like they're rubbish what's all this <laughs> but it doesn't matter whether it's the number two three four batter or the number seven eight nine batter for australia mm. they'll they'll score runs and they'll be difficult to get out and they always seem to find a way i think that the way India can do it is if some of their big players, Sriti Mandana, Shivali Verma, Jeremy Rodriguez, mm. score hugely mm. and, and go really big. Mm. And that that will be the way to do it. And they, they're all capable of doing mm. that. Um, but it's just can they do it on the day against that um, Australian bowling? The, you know, the player of the tournament, in my mind, has been... A South Australian called Talia McGrath, uh, <laughs> just been amazing. Uh, and every game mm. she's performed, usually bat and ball, uh, and been absolutely brilliant. And you know, I I think you know a player like that will constantly make a difference mm. for Australia. And so it's so I think my mind says Australia gold, India silver, England bronze, um, New Zealand wooden spoon. <laughs> There you go. That's the predictions. But I mean, look, it is one of those things where I'd say the only Australian that I haven't seen that much would be Darcy Brown. Mm. She's, I've never like from Big Bash or like WNCL, she's the one person who I don't think I've ever seen walk out in the middle because she either hasn't been needed or, you know, she hasn't played. So everyone else can bat and I can guarantee I can guarantee that um even Megan Shute can hit a couple of sixes over the ground so <laughs> we will see but that is um like I I can agree with you there Ollie what do you think do you agree with there I, I want to say England bronze just to be biased so I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that take um I, I don't see Australia losing um as much as it you know Sounds robotic and monotonous and almost boring at this point with how good Australia are. I, I don't see Australia losing, and that's credit to them. So uh, I reckon, I know, I, I would like to be different, but I, I just can't see it. So um, it's a bit of a vanilla kind of call because everyone's making it, but I, I think it's a pretty obvious one in the end. Hopefully mm. I'm proven wrong, though. Well, that's it. I mean, look, it would be good to see India and just someone take down Australia. At this point, even I'm just like, they're winning a bit too much. Yeah, they're on the pedestal, aren't they? They need to be, they need to be humbled. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's all the questions. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Really appreciate it. So that was Polly and Richard from the Naughty Child podcast. Obviously great to have them on talking about the Commonwealth Games and all that kind of stuff. And the one thing that I took out of it was the predictions at the end, which we ended up getting horribly, horribly wrong. All of us, really, because we all predicted the same thing, pretty much. And as such, we all got it wrong. Yeah, we did. (laughs) Because we were all just hoping for England to place. And unfortunately, they didn't. So the obviously the top part was right with Australia placing first India taking the silver medal and then New Zealand took bronze and England wooden spoon unfortunately I mean technically fourth shouldn't really be the wooden spoon but I just thought that you know obviously Richard described it that way in the, in the interview so we'll run with it but fourth's yeah. not that bad 
like for most for most nations coming into the tournament, right, they would have bitten your hand off at four. But I think for England, we expected more, didn't we? If we're being brutally honest, we expected more. Um, obviously, the way that we played in some of the earlier games in the tournament, you know, we were, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet, if you will. We were playing brilliant cricket, and it just didn't work out when it mattered most. And it's it's strange how tournaments like that, condensed tournaments like that, can work because obviously it's a lot shorter time span than the than the World Cup, be it T20 or or Women's World Cup, or even like a you know like a tour like we've had against South Africa recently. Because um, obviously all the games happen in such a short time span. We played New Zealand like three days before and absolutely walloped them, and then they returned serve by absolutely battering us in the in the semi final. So I guess they had the last laugh, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It that's what was the most surprising was that it was really just roles reversed in that second game from the first game. But it was just really disappointing because obviously it being a home tournament and a home crowd, you really just wanted England to just do a bit better and take out the gold because that would have just been so special. And like Polly mentioned, it would have brought so much more attention to the cricket if it was, if if the home team did win. So that was disappointing. But were we surprised that Australia took out the gold? No. No. No, not at <laughs> no, all. we weren't. And obviously Australia had the most gold medals at the tournament as a whole. So that was just an, another one of those for, you know, it was a great Commonwealth game for them. I think England had three medals less in total. So obviously that really wasn't going to make much difference if we got bronze because we had a lot more bronze and silvers than Australia did, but they had many, many more golds. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, in the grand scheme of things, World Cups mean more. Ashes series mean more. It's not the end of the world that we couldn't quite get over the line in a Commonwealth Games semi-final. And let's face it, it's been a success, I think, cricket at the Commonwealth Games. Let's say maybe in four years, we've got another chance to go at it again. It's slightly disappointing. I think that's all we can say about it. We can draw a line under it, move on. And then when we host the Commonwealth Games, when I say we, obviously regional Victoria, Victoria, um, you know, maybe we can go at it again and, and try and win something out here. But I think it would have been more special to win it at a home Games. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, I'm sure they're going to take a lot from it and work on it to try and take it further in Victoria. But in saying that, there's been a bit of controversy with Tali McGrath, hasn't there? There has been a little bit, which is very interesting. And I saw a tweet about this fact where someone was absolutely irate at the fact that Tali McGrath was able to play and yet Novak Djokovic was not able to play tennis at the start of the year. Obviously, it was when we hosted the Australian Open. And obviously, two different sports, two different time Completely periods. different reasons. Yeah, correct, correct. But I just I just saw the tweet and, you know, just pondered over it for, like, a short time. But I don't think you can compare those two. It's just yeah. interesting to see. And obviously, those games are played in different countries, too. Of course, Australia were involved in both of them. But let's not forget, that game was still played in Birmingham, where England have got different restrictions now to what we had then. So I don't think that's a fair call to make. But even still, the controversy is the controversy. People can say what they want to say and everyone's entitled to opinions. But but what do you reckon? I'm very opinionated on it. And I know people are probably going to disagree with me and that's completely okay. But I think that it was fair that she played. I think at the start of the tournament, we knew that if they were, if anyone had a COVID case, they could still compete. Like we knew that was a rule from the very beginning. And that could have been someone from England. That could have been someone from Sri Lanka. You know what I mean? Like anybody could have had COVID and still played and that would have been fine. 
But I think what I realized was it was a lot of Indian fans who were really unimpressed. And I'm like, what if it was the roles reversed? It would have been so different. You know what I mean? Like, they, I don't think Indian fans would have been reacting the way they were if it was roles reversed. Well, no, and, it would have benefited them. Well, exactly. So I really don't think it, I think everybody's like overplaying it a bit too much. Like she had COVID, she was fine. A- apparently Harman Precor made a statement saying that she was fine with it because she wasn't too, li- too ill. So I think it's fine. Like, you know, I know some people are upset about it, but she was taking the precautions she needed to. She w- sat away from them. She stood away from them while fielding. I don't see any issue personally, but I know a lot of people do. So yeah, that's my opinion. I- I think obviously hindsight would help with something like this because obviously if everybody tests positive from that game, be it India players, Australia players, you know, it, you know, whatever, if they'd all tested positive, there's an issue. The fact that they haven't done, um, I think signals that there isn't a problem really. Um, yeah. I thought you were going to go the other way when I said people are going to disagree. I thought you were going to say, no, she shouldn't have played rule around no i'm no I I'm, go I'm nah, nah. i think it's I fine know. like i don't see any issue with it personally but you know that's my opinion people don't really want to argue them. with people with it to be honest because i can't be bothered so <laughs> if you have your opinion you can keep it um note to, note to I'm self, note to self <laughs> don't argue with lily harvey on the commonwealth games um because <laughs> she's not just going to entertain you so there's your uh, there's your little note to self yeah but yeah that is the commonwealth games stuff and we also really thank polly and richard for jumping up at 7 a.m in the morning to chat to us about that we really appreciate your time but now moving on we have our second interview we certainly do and another strikers player is going to be on the house at cricket podcast in a couple of minutes time for, for the rest of you obviously we've already interviewed them it's not live or anything like that but following the success of the jake weatherold interview we just thought you know what let's go and double dip matt short is about to uh, be uh, be heard through the airwaves for everyone listening. And we do hope you enjoy it because just like Jake Weatherold, an absolute pleasure to interview, wasn't he? Yeah, he was amazing. And another one of those players where you, you know, have seen him play for quite some time. So to to be able to speak to him about his career and, and all he's done for the strikers, and it's been really amazing. It was a pretty good one. Pretty good it interview. Certainly was. certainly was. Now, just a quick mention on this one. I did have to leave this interview about halfway through. So if you, you know, hear Lily's voice for most of it is because for half of it, I wasn't there. Um, I had to had another assignment to attend to, but I did ask a few questions and obviously Lily did very well with the rest of the interview. Just thought we'd put the disclaimer out there, but without yes. further ado, here is Adelaide Strikers superstar, Matt Short. Picked up, beautiful shot. First one tonight, it's an upper decker. See, that's a good shot from Matt Short. Welcome and thank you very much for joining us. Could you just talk to us a little bit about where you are in the world at the moment and where you're at with your cricket? Yep, no worries. Uh, yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I'm currently in Melbourne at the moment, um, about two months into pre-season with the uh, Victorian state team. Um, yeah, so just been pretty much all the fitness stuff and a fair bit of hitting balls and bowling balls at the moment. So um, obviously. Well, I look outside now, it's pouring rain, so it's uh, pretty dismal, um, you know, here in Victoria at the moment. So, yeah, that's me, just, uh, yeah, in pre-season at the moment. 
Yeah, I was literally saying that off air myself because I've just looked out the window and it's absolutely pelting it down. But but what can you do? Not a lot. It's not cricket weather, this is it. That's it. No, well, it, it gets a bit, um, a little bit depressing um, sometimes in, uh, you know, when you, you start start pre-season here in Melbourne and, you know, you're indoors for a few months and, um, yeah, it gets a bit a bit boring stuck inside. Yeah, it must be a bit hard to kind of find that motivation to kind of get going when it's just really not that pleasant to <laughs> to be outside or anything. Yeah, a little bit. Um, you know, especially when you you look at, um, you know, your social media and stuff and people are overseas in, you know, the UK and stuff and they're, they're going through a bit of a heat wave and stuff like that. You, you wish you were there, but um no obviously you know a very grateful position and um yeah love love every minute of pre-season and to be around the boys it's yeah it's awesome no that's good um so yeah I guess it's the the big build-up to to cricket season now which is going to be very exciting and there's all the things happening with all signings happening right now so we'll get into to big bash fun stuff a little bit later on but uh, could you just start off by going right back to the very beginning and just telling us a little bit about how you first started playing cricket yeah, no worries. Um, so I grew up in a, a country town called Ballarat. Um, it's probably oh, an hour and a half from from the city of Melbourne. Um, so I grew up with a, an older brother and a younger brother. So we pretty much, um, you know, played all sports in the backyard and got pretty competitive, which is, uh, um, you know, always a good thing um, in the backyard there. So I guess starting well, my first game of cricket, um, well, my older brother Jake, he he start he was the first one to start cricket, um, and I think I I rocked up to one of his games in the morning, um, and I think they might have been two or three players short, and I just so yeah so happened to be there watching and um, pretty much got the call up. <laughs> they said you know we're missing a couple of players or they're late or something like that, and um, yeah I just so happened to be there and. Had a pair of whites in in the back of, back of the car, so um, you know, chucked them on and had the runners on, and yeah, went out there and played a bit of cricket with with the older brother. So that's that's sort of my memory of my my first game of cricket, um, and pretty much from then on, I, I think I played maybe a couple more games filling in for that side, and then yeah, signed up again for the next year. Um, I think in the under twelves, I think it was back then. So I probably started a little bit late. Um, I think I was 12 or 13 when I started playing. So, yeah, that's probably my first memories of, well, my first game anyway. Did you have any specific role models? Uh, oh, definitely. Definitely my old man. Um, and I suppose, in, and mum as well, in a sense. I think they've been pretty supportive the, the whole way through. And, um, yeah, as I said earlier, we were playing all kinds of sports in the backyard. You know, I started playing basketball and then footy and um and then cricket. So, you know, they're always supportive of, uh, I guess, whatever we want to do or whatever we want to play. Um, you know, they said, go for it and, you know, side us up. And, um, yeah, very lucky to to have the parents that I, that I do now. And, um, yeah, very grateful for them. Uh, you talked about your um, cricketing exploits in the backyard. Were there any cricketers that you, you tried to emulate? You know, we ever, like, um, imagine a situation saying, you know, I've got to hit a six of last ball. Who would you be? <laughs> Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I know we all tried to be sort of Brett Lee steaming in off the long run, um, be pretty intimidating. You know, we, we didn't have a very big um, cricket pitch, but we had a long run up. So um, we tried to intimidate each other with the, the long run up and, and try and bowl as quick as we can. But 
uh, in terms of batters, I, we didn't really try and be anyone. We were just trying to survive, I think. Um, it was funny, our, our backyard sort of was a, a brick pavement, um, so there were cracks everywhere and batting was probably the hardest I've ever faced. So, um, you know, the ball was doing everything off all these cracks of the bricks and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they're probably my memories of, of playing in the backyard. So you're saying that the, the balls that you face in the backyard were the tougher of some of the ones like Rashid Khan in the Nets or Ben Lockton in the, <laughs> in the Nets? Yeah, I reckon. Um, <laughs> it was mate, it was brutal. So, yeah, we had the brother, older brother and younger brother steaming it off the long run. And, yeah, you you just never knew what, what the ball was going to do off the bricks. So it was pretty tough. Yeah, they're their words, uh, not mine. So you'll have to uh, talk with that up with them in, uh, in strikers training when you see them next <laughs> a couple of months. Um, but speaking I'm of your brothers, we've, uh, we've spoken about Jake. You've also got Sam as well, who's played professional basketball in the NBL. Um, obviously, we've had brothers who've grown up playing the same sport and you see so many in cricket with, you know, your Agars, your Wars, your Marshes, and, and you've got the Harris sisters playing cricket as yep. well. Um, why do you think there was a decision or what happened to make sure that there were different sports played between you and Sam? Um, oh, it's, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think, well, I, I remember sort of finishing basketball um, at a younger age. I think I might have finished there maybe when I was 14. Um, I think I sort of had pretty bad heels and, and knees at the time. So it might have just been a little bit of um, an injury there. Um, but I was pretty happy sort of playing footy and and cricket. So, so I think um, I'll test my memory here, but when I was playing footy, I think basketball was sort of on the same day as well. So I think I remember playing footy early in the morning and then, um, you know, you'd still have mud all over and you'd have to quickly have a shower and get, get to basketball. So um, that was always pretty busy for, for mum and dad. So, um, yeah, I think I sort of gave up basketball pretty early and then, sort of stuck with footy and, and cricket, obviously, in the, the different seasons of the year. So, um, I think, yeah, obviously, Sammy, Sam was, uh, yeah, obviously, a lot more talented at basketball than I was. So, he sort of stuck with it. And, um, yeah, I went down the cricket path. Yeah. And I just thought of this this morning, just saying, you know, having a look at the stories and whatnot. If you swap sports in a different universe so that you played basketball <laughs> and you played cricket, who do you think would fare better out of the two? <laughs> uh Geez, I don't know. I've still got a little bit of height, so that might do me well in, in basketball, but uh, I'm not as athletic as he is, but geez, a good question. Uh, he, he went all right in the, in the backyard cricket, so yeah, maybe Sammy in cricket. There you go. There might be a, a future after a basketball retirement, there may be a BBL contract there, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be um, good. But you mentioned about still playing footy and cricket, so what made you want to go with cricket instead of football um at that time yeah uh yeah so I played played footy and cricket up until I guess I was sort of 17 18 um in year 12 at school um I think by then I sort of had a better pathway um with the cricket uh in terms like I was playing for Victoria and and even the um even Australia, sort of in the, the underage stuff and the under-19s and, um, and whatnot. So I think, yeah, the pathway for cricket was was definitely a bit more promising. Um, I played footy sort of at the under-18 um, TAC Cup level uh, in Ballarat there. So, again, like it was, it was a pretty good stand. But, again, like I wasn't really 
playing for Victoria or anything, um, you know, Vic country or whatnot in the footy. So I think cricket was, yeah, definitely the one to, you know, that I've been playing at a high level and, um, yeah, obviously made the decision to, well, I guess um, the cricket contract came up first um, when I was in school. So that was before the footy drafts and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, looking back at it, I'm not really regretting anything at the moment. So, yeah, it's very, very happy to, to choose cricket. Yeah, no, that's good. And I mean, obviously cricket is a, at this stage a bit more global than football, isn't it? So you've got a few more opportunities that would probably arise with cricket rather than footy but you mentioned about the state contract coming up when you're in school can you talk to us a little bit more about that yeah it was pretty tough so um yeah I think it was sort of the start of my year 12 year um yeah where they I got offered a, a rookie contract for Victoria um so I think at the time I was, I was almost enjoying playing footy a bit more um I'd had a bit of team success in the previous year I think it was 2012 um, you know, where I won a couple of premierships with with a couple of different teams, and you know, I was yeah, I was enjoying my my time playing footy probably more than cricket at, at that stage. But um, I kind of knew deep down that um, choosing cricket would be the better pathway, and um, I guess more the more suited pathway, I think. Um, but yeah, it was it was a tough tough first year. Um, obviously, trying to complete year twelve and then have all the trainings down here in in Melbourne. Um, for my first year so um, it was yeah it was all a bit of a blur trying to keep up with schoolwork and obviously trying to keep up with all the training down here so um, yeah I suppose once I finished year 12 it was um, yeah move straight down to Melbourne and, and get stuck in properly. That's good that you didn't have it any earlier so you could kind of just finish school and then begin your begin your cricket properly. Yep. Just to move on, obviously, though, obviously based in Victoria still, but you've probably more or maybe best known, especially to Lily and to a lot of T20 fans with your exploits with the strikers, um, not to discredit any of the wonderful work you've done for Victoria, which is um, the better state, of course. Um, but ahead of BBL 08, you signed with the strikers. Um, why was that the move to move across from Victoria to South Australia? And how's the experience been? Yeah, it was purely just for, um, for opportunity. Um, I'd spent probably three or four years, I think, at the Renegades um, for, I think, six six or seven games. So um, I was always, well, not always, but I was in and out. I couldn't really cement cement my spot there or, um, yeah, didn't quite fit in to what they, they were sort of looking at or their sort of squad fit out. So, um, yeah, I thought I'd jump across to, to Adelaide. They were pretty keen to, to sign me. So I'm like, yeah, I may as well. And, um yeah again sort of I think once I got across I was you know they didn't promise any games but I knew I'd sort of fit in a bit better there and into their sort of squad and um I think the first few years didn't quite go to plan um as much as I was, as I'd hoped um you know in terms of performance but um you know batting through the middle probably struggled there a little bit um but then I think yeah I sort of owe, owe Adelaide a little bit or a fair bit now for sort of sticking with me and signed on another couple of years and, um, you know, got some better opportunities at the top of the order and um, which is probably where what suits me best, um, you know, sort of opening the batting or, you know, in, in the top three or four. So, um, yeah, again, sort of owe, owe Adelaide a bit for that, for, you know, sticking with me and, and giving me the opportunity at the top of the order, um, you know, which I think I've done pretty well at. 
Yeah, and obviously the season just gone, BBL 11, you had an absolutely wonderful season, one of the best batters in the competition, third leading run scorer and then strikers MVP as well. Do you think that switch to the top of the order really helped you flourish in that new position? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, a lot of people say it's the easiest time to bat. Um, you know, the ball's nice and hard and you've only got the two fielders out. So um, I remember sitting down before the big bash with my, my state coach and, and captain, um, Chris Rogers and, and Peter Hanscom. Um, I think I've struggled, struggled in the, the, the few games before the big bash for, um, for, for Victoria. And, um, you know, they just said, we sat down, had a coffee or whatever. And they just said, you know, get to the big bash, back yourself. Um, so I think I knew Alex Carey was, was going to play um, in some test matches that summer. So, um, you know, I thought, with him gone, I'd, I'd have a chance at the top of the order. So, um, you know, I just said, back yourself, um, just go and see the ball and hit the ball. Um, you know, don't think too much about it. So, um, yeah, it's pretty much exactly what I did. I went out, opened the batting and, yeah, just played with freedom and, um, uh, yeah, didn't really second guess myself. So just went out there, backed myself and, and had fun while I did it. And certainly it looks like it because, again, like we said, you had an absolutely wonderful season last year. But again, you've spoken about your commitments with Victoria. Um, you've obviously still playing with the, um, Victoria at state level. Is it weird to play against your Victorian teammates in the big bash and vice versa? And is there a little bit of verbal aggro, if you will, in those sort of games? <laughs> um, yeah, it is It is quite weird. Um, I guess growing up, I'd never really, um, you know, move clubs or change teams or whatnot. So... Um, I guess the move from, you know, from Victoria, I guess, to, over to, to South Australia in the Big Bash, um, yeah, it was a, a bit different. But, yeah, there's always a few running jokes between a few of us boys and, um, you know, when we're out there in the middle against each other. So, uh, yeah, it's always good fun. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly. Who's the uh, the most interesting to play against? What's the most interesting encounter you've had with uh, with maybe a Victorian teammate um, you know, playing in the Big Bash or if it be a South Australian teammate, maybe in a state tournament yeah. in, a, in a different state? Um, it's a tough question. I know, well, me and Sammy Harper are, are very close. We've sort of grown up together, um, you know, through the ranks. So, uh, yeah, we've always, um, you know, have a few jokes when we're out in the middle and um, it's quite funny because he's obviously the wicketkeeper for, for the Renegades. So he's always right, right there behind the stumps, um, always in your ear. Um, he's always a good one to play against and, and with, obviously, but yeah, he's a good character, so you love love playing with him. Yeah, and to, uh, to move on slightly, just to switch the subject, um, the one team that you have played for that we haven't really talked about was the Cricket Australia 11 um, against England's Ashes squad back in 2017, which hopefully yep. that's the last we talk about that England Ashes summer because uh, that wasn't <laughs> for me. Um, but you made a first, your first first-class century for that team uh, what were your memories of that day and uh, what was the experience like playing against top-level test cricketers? Yeah, um, obviously a great memory of mine. Um, I just remember how how hot it was. Um, and we knew, we knew England were, were over for a long, long ashes tour. So um, I think England batted first and we ended up bowling them out for, I don't know what it was, maybe like 350 or something. Um, and there's still a, a, well, maybe two or three days left. And we knew, you know, that they're in for the long summer. So we're like, let's just bat as long as we can and try and keep them out in the hot, hot sun in Townsville. So out in the field. So, um, yeah, I think me, me and Jason Sanger um, put on a few runs and 
kept them out there. So um, I guess the the Aussie boys have probably got got the Cricket Australia eleven to thank for for that year. I think um, we sort of touched them up a little bit early in the tour. So yeah, obviously a great memory and um, yeah, one to one I love looking back on. Yeah, maybe not so for me, but you know we'll, we'll take your <laughs> we'll take your uh, plaudits and uh, and move on because you certainly had a, a good game and England not a good summer. So um, so probably maybe it is down to you. <laughs> now, obviously, the Big Bash season is is almost a, upon us. Really, uh, the draft yep. is happening soon. So, what do you make of that whole Big Bash draft? Uh, to be honest, I'm not not a huge fan of it. Um, Obviously, it's uh, it's good that you can sort of retain retain a player that you know it's been on your list, um, you know, last year. So that's obviously a big one. Um, you know, if we want Rashid Khan back, I think we'd we'd uh, we'd definitely snap him up again. But um, I suppose oh, I think I saw was it yesterday or today that maybe seventy. English players have nominated for the draft and um, English players that have, you know, come to the Big Bash before. But, um, you know, there's a lot of sort of, you know, your average Joe Blows that, you know, play play the county cricket and whatnot that no one's really heard of. And um, yeah. I know a lot of the senior players here in Australia that, um, you know, on a, a decent um, package at their, deal, at their clubs. But, you know, they've got these, they're sort of <clears throat> not no-nos, but, there's players that no one's heard of in the, in the draft and, you know, can end up coming to Australia on, you know, more money or a, a better, a better deal than, you know, what some, some really good players are on here. So, um, yeah, I'm not, not too sure how long the draft will be around for, but yeah, there's definitely, definitely room for improvement, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, I guess, I guess we'll see how it goes, but if you had anyone who you would like to bring over in the draft, any international players, do you do you have any that you would like to join the strikers? Um, oh, I think Ben Stokes would be one at the moment. Um, you know, bad end ball, he can he can do everything in, in the field, I suppose. But um, yeah, he'd be probably number one. But who else? Richard Pan. I know not, I know Indians aren't really coming over, so he'd be another one. Richard Pan. Uh, yeah, they're probably it's probably two that are up there. Yeah, no, good choice. Now, do you have a favourite cricket memory just from any format, any team? Um, uh, oh, I think the Shield, Sheffield Shield final um, back in 2018 and 19. Um, yeah, it was a pretty special one for me, especially I think it took me a, you know, a long few years to try and cement my, my spot in that, into that side um, at the time. So... Uh, yeah, it was just good to to play most of the games that year, and um, you know, to to play in a final, a winning final. Um, yeah, it's definitely a, a memory that um, yeah I'll never forget. Yeah, and what are you most looking forward to about the upcoming Big Bash season? Um, oh, it's just it's, everyone just says it's the most fun time of the year. Um, you know, it's the middle of summer. Um, you know, there's a lot of travel, a lot of games. It's, it's exciting. Um, yeah, as I said, you get to travel around, you know, pretty much the whole of Australia in, in eight weeks. So, um, yeah, it's always a fun time of year. Um, you know, there's there's awesome crowds, um, especially at Adelaide Oval. Yeah, it's just uh, very entertaining and, yeah, a lot of the players love it. 
Yeah, it must be so fun. I mean, like I associate summer with cricket season and big bash season. So yep. summer's not going to the beach for me. Summer is spending my time at Adelaide <laughs> Oval. So, um, you know, every, I think everyone's really looking forward to it. But you would have played in a couple of Adelaide Oval New Year's Eve games. So what's it like to kind of play in those games? And I know that it must be a lot more pressure than just a regular season game. Yeah, you're right. Um, they're always a, well, it's probably our biggest game for the year. Um, oh, it's awesome. It's always packed out. Um, it's always, you know, booming, like so loud. You walk out of the race and you're sort of seeing up in the stands, everyone's like, it's all full and, you know, they got the fireworks going and all this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, they, they do a good job of it at Adelaide, that's for sure. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, just an awesome night to be part of. Does it make you have a bit more confidence, I guess, whether individually or as a team, knowing that everyone's on your side? Because obviously it is a big home game. No, it does. It gives you it gives you great confidence. I think, um, yeah, I, I've definitely noticed the the Adelaide crowd um, over the years. Uh, yeah, we love it. We love it, um, especially Adelaide Oval. Just come across the bridge from the city. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's awesome to play in front of. Um, yeah, and as I said before, the boys love it and and get you know an extra spring in their step during the New Year's Eve game when when it's a bit louder and few old people. So yeah, we love it. Yeah, now that's good. It should be really exciting, and I'm sure everyone's looking forward to it. I know that's the one the the big the big one that everyone kind of marks in the calendar is the the New Year's Eve yep. Strikers game. So yeah, I'll definitely be looking forward to that one. But do you have a favourite teammate that you've played with? Anyone over the years? Oh, I mentioned you before. Um, yeah, it'd be Sammy Harper, I think. Um, we're oh we're the same age and we've um we've sort of grown up together in like sort of all through the pathways I think since under 15s I think it is so um we've sort of shared very similar experiences in our I guess in our past sort of growing up in cricket um to to now being teammates at Victoria so um yeah he's probably one where I can I'm pretty you know, feel feel closest to anyway, in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Now, what would you say are your goals for the near future? Like, what is kind of the next step to progress your your cricket? Uh, well, I'm not a not a huge goal setter. Um, I try and keep things, you know, pretty. Well, I guess in the moment, in the present, um, rather than sort of try and focus on something further down the track. Um. But in saying that, obviously the the goal, the main sort of goals to to play for Australia one day. Um, but yeah, I'm not getting too carried away with with that. It's more just trying to put performances on the board, you know, today or you know in, in round one or, or whatever. So um, yeah, I guess just scoring runs, taking wickets, um, you know, that's that's what's going to get you there. Um, so yeah, that's probably my main focus at the moment. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So now just to finish off, I'd do some quick fire this or that questions. Some yep. cricket related, some not cricket related. So the first one is T20 or test cricket? Uh, test cricket. Okay, big choice. Morning or night? Morning. Okay. No, I yeah, can't do mornings. <laughs> uh, dogs <laughs> or cats? Definitely dogs. Yeah, I, I mean, I shouldn't have asked that one, obviously, with the... Even though, <laughs> yeah, even though she's barking her head off outside. <laughs> um, beach or backyard cricket? Ooh. Grew up playing backyard cricket, but probably like the beach cricket better. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, now, this one might be a bit here or there, but Adelaide Oval or MCG? Adelaide Oval. 
good choice for sure that's the right answer yeah <laughs> <laughs> um orange juice or apple juice orange yeah good choice uh now would you rather have legs as fingers or fingers as legs maybe maybe fingers as legs <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> don't know why <laughs> um pineapple on a pizza yes or no no Ooh, no interesting uh what is your go-to pizza choice uh or probably a meat lovers okay good choice uh would you rather keep your chocolate in the fridge or in the pantry i'm in the fridge okay yeah good i know this <laughs> it's actually a, that's an unpopular answer that's what i'd go with but yeah, no, that's that's all the questions today. Thank you, and and all the best with all your upcoming cricket. I'm sure, I'll see you thank down you. at Adelaide Oval in the summer. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And yep. yeah, all the best, and and thank you again. No worries. Picked up, beautiful shot, first one tonight. It's an upper decker. See, that's a good shot from Matt Short. So that was the interview with Matt Short. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed doing it it was quite a fun one but in saying that there was an interesting point that he actually spoke about that I wanted to touch on quickly with you and that is the BBL draft and I thought his response was really interesting because when I asked him what he thought of the BBL draft obviously as you would have heard he said he wasn't a fan of it because of the amount of English players that have nominated to go over so you obviously know the situation what do you think of that and Matt Short's opinion I thought it was very refreshing to hear a different opinion to the one we heard from Jake Weatherold. Because obviously they're going to be playing on the same team in this upcoming Big Bash. Like, you know, they've been teammates for, for a few years. But it just shows that cricketers are human. Despite playing for the, t- the same team and batting for the same cause, they can have different opinions. Um, and there are a lot of English players that are going to come over and maybe stunt the growth and the development of some Australian players who others feel may deserve it. Um, but obviously we've not had the Big Bash draft yet. We don't really know, you know, who's going to be taken, who's going to be picked up, what teams are going to be playing for. Um, but I did like the fact that it wasn't such, you know, a, a robotic answer in a sense. I like that it was different. Yeah, no, I agree. It was, like you said, it was good to have different perspectives because especially when you ask the same question, sometimes obviously you can get very similar answers, but to have completely opposite answers, I think was it was really good and really interesting. So, yeah, I just wanted to hear what you thought about that really. So, yeah, like we said, that was the interview with Matt Short. Really hope you enjoyed listening. Next week, we will be back with another guest. But in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at TCP, Or you can send us an email at howsatthecricketpodcast at gmail.com. But that is all from me this week. Yeah, likewise, another good interview, another good episode. Roll the next one. How's that? You missed the-